Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Edit audio. All right, full disclosure. I have not been the boss of many people in my life other than my wife and kids. I said it. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. I did oversee the interns at one job. At another job, I was the lead assistant. I mean, that's the saddest humble brag. So I was basically above the second assistant. I'm currently working for someone who was my intern. Then we were friends, and now he's my boss. And when I think back on it, I've been friends with many of the people I work with and for. Yet I've always said very, very strongly that Bosses can't be friends with the people they work with. So where's the disconnect in my philosophy? Is it situational based on who the people you work with are? Is it a respect thing? You know, like, oh, I respect our friendship too much to take advantage of this boss friend thing. Maybe the question is not so clear. Maybe there's just not a one size fits all rule about this. Hello, everyone. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but not in an NPR way. It's more like we're at the bar, having cocktails, getting into your business sort of way. It's it's giving drunk NPR. Oh, and producer Steph is here, too. Hello. Today we chat, well, can you be a boss and a friend? Hello, everyone. We have such a great episode coming at you today. I just love when we talk about the workplace because I don't think that it's something that folks talk about enough. Like we go right from school to our careers, but there isn't always a lot of training for how to be in the workplace. So today we're talking about work, about being a boss, about commanding respect, and we're definitely floating right into the territory of imposter syndrome. Buckle up, folks, because this is a fabulous chat. Let's get right to it. So today we we were going to talk about kind of being the boss at work and also the issues with trying to be friends with people and wanting people to like you in the workplace, I guess. Oh. That's a good question, though. You just touched on like three things that I'm so like about <laughs> wanting people to like you, being a boss, and then also you're managing a bar, so you're working in a social environment. Yeah, for which, sure. Which can complicate things. So tell, tell us a little bit about like your job and your setup and how long you've been there and when you became a boss, all that jazz. Yes, so I started the job, um, it was a year in January, and before that, I had never really done a job like that. I mean, I'd been I'd been a supervisor, but I'd never been like at the top. Yeah, I report to the owners, 
Um, and I've never done that before. I'd always report to like another manager. Yeah. So when the bar opened, there was a general manager and then they got to like three months in and they decided that the role should be split into two. So they made the guy who was doing the general manager became head of wine. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in a store manager to do kind of operational stuff. Mm-hmm. And then five or six months after that, they decided that they wanted me to just do it all. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Did they boot that other guy? They did. Yeah, they fired him. So you you came in, you were essentially promoted. Yes. And you all of a sudden are, you're the one voice minus the owners. Yeah. It was an interesting move and I was kind of nervous about it because the team is really small. So at the time that I came in, there was three including me. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I felt a bit like, oh, the new person's come in and just like fucked it all up and like someone's lost their job and um, I felt guilty. Yeah. But also, like, the owners wouldn't have brought me in if they didn't want me to do that. Well, yeah, and it's easy to get in your head like that. I mean, I I had, like, a temp job once where they brought me in as staff, and they fired, like, to be, like, an accountant or some shit. Like, I had no business being a bookkeeper. Like, I was just out of college. And they fired this guy who was, like, very slow and not changing with the times. But And I had a lot of guilt about that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I kind of was like, well, they're going to fire him anyway. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. The guy they let go was 10 years older than me and had been in the wine industry for those 10 years. And it's my first job in wine. Yeah. So his wine knowledge was obviously way more than mine. Yeah. And I can't, I actually still struggle. I've got pretty bad imposter syndrome with a job. I, I was going to say, yeah. It's kind of a problem. And people get weird sometimes in work settings when mm-hmm. all of a sudden someone's promoted above them. People get really funky. Yeah. Like pre-existing relationships can make things very complicated. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I feel like there's a lot going on. Like we're obviously going to touch on imposter syndrome because it's like you can hear it in, in what you're saying. But <laughs> so bad. No, it's it's okay though. It's it's like I mean, well, how old are you? I have to ask that question. I am 22. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. I mean, you're just starting out in your career path, so it makes sense that you would be there, right? But like, do you have a leadership style? Before we get into you know, kind of talking about whether or not you can be friends with people who report to you because I think that question is going to be maybe but like let's you know like what's your leadership style and and how are you leading this is going to be so interesting for Maria to listen to because I learned Maria is our editor supreme by the way 
Yeah, so Maria and I used to work at a bar together and we both worked under the same person and that person was who I learned leadership skills from. Mm-hmm. And this person was also st- still a friend now, but very, very, very close friend at the time. But I learned all I know about management and running a bar through him. Was he a good leader? Yes. Okay. Yes, but but quite conflicting because... Um, and this is a problem that I deal with, but it's again like we were such close friends that whenever there was problems at work, there was like always a crossover with friendship and mm-hmm. things were taken personally. And I think I wish I hadn't. I mean, he's great. He's really great. He's the best at what he does. Taught me how to do spreadsheets, taught me what owners look for in a general manager, like really useful stuff that I don't know how you could learn that if you didn't have someone that wanted to teach you. Yeah. Like a, a really, really great teacher. Um, yeah, but, mentors are very important. Yeah, hugely important. And I'm so, so grateful that I got to work with him because he basically told me how to do everything. And without that, I don't think I could do the job that I do now. De- definitely. I definitely couldn't yeah. do the job that I do now because I don't know where else I would have learned that. Just such a high standard. So do you run a tight ship as well? And and tell us what it means to run a tight ship in, in managing um, a bar. You have to be keeping an eye on absolutely everything at all times when people think you're not keeping an eye on stuff. So knowing what's going on when I'm not there and also keeping them really tight. It, the last job we worked, the stock system was very, very tight, which makes a huge financial difference to a bar. So super on it with wastage. Mm-hmm. At all times, the bar needs to look as good as it can. You can never really... It's never ending. Yeah, yeah. Because it it deteriorates very quickly. So if you're running a tight ship, which Mm -hmm. kudos to you, like I'm already like, yeah, I like how you're working. So if that's your management style, which sounds effective and you're going to be liked by the owners, sometimes you're not as liked (laughs) by the staff because you are like you, even in what you said, you have to be always watching. You have to have your ear to the ground. You have to kind of know, hear the scuttlebutt of like who's mm-hmm. dating who and all of that stuff to see what's going to screw up. I'm thinking of bar settings. Producer Steph's what's giving a me a weird scuttlebutt. Look. Oh, you're right. It wasn't the dating. It was the scuttlebutt. Like no. the, the gossip, the rumors, the scuttlebutt. <laughs> yeah, the rumor. Yeah. You know, come on, step the scuttlebutt. Um, anywho, <laughs> you know, so it's like that's not the best setup. If you have a little bit of imposter syndrome, you're gonna be, you're gonna be looking to see if they like you to mm-hmm. see if that proves whether or not you're doing a good job, and that's actually yeah. conflicting. Yes. So my mentor, he wasn't really asked if he upset people. Yeah. Um, at work, which is, you know, why should you be? I wish I was like that, but I'm not. I am terrified of upsetting people. Yeah. Which is an issue. <laughs> Can you think of a time that you specifically held yourself back from either saying something or doing something because you were afraid of of that? Yeah. Literally all the time. Because I think I was brought up with like a um, well, before the age of ten my mum was single, so my mum did everything and worked a full time job and her thing was always like if you want something doing well, then just do it yourself. Yeah. Because if someone else does it, they'll probably disappoint you. And that was just kind of the mindset that I was brought up with. And it still applies. Which doesn't I mean, lend itself to group settings, by it the really, way. It, it really doesn't. <laughs> and it doesn't um, lend itself to being a boss. Yes. What it lends itself to is solo work. And and then you'll never be able to, like, like a, a dream grows into a business mm-hmm. when 
you have an idea and you enroll other people into your idea and then Mm -hmm. they believe in your dream so much that it all moves forward. Mm -hmm. But you need multiple people to do it. If you try to, and I speak from experience, if you try to do everything by yourself, you're going to be limited to what you're able to do. And that's, that's the biggest problem with that, with that way of working. Yeah, for sure. And I've really, like my my mum got shit done and my mum was great and and did everything and made the world go around but um it's not not great if you're trying to run a team and I'm just there like well I might as well just not say anything because it's easier for me because I don't have to have this conflict in conversation and I'll just do a better job of it anyway and that just like you know you can say that once but then you keep saying it and keep saying it and you eventually end up doing everything and it's not sustainable no it's not sustainable and it won't be done as well as if you get everyone to do their job properly for sure yeah I used to work on it. I would just like an example because like I'm not in the bar. So like what does that look like? Like what are you doing or what are you afraid to tell someone to do and then taking on for yourself? So I mean a small example, the whole close down routine to make sure that the bar gets properly looked after at the end of the day so that when you come in, the bar is in the best state that it can be. Like it's stocked, it's clean, it's all that stuff. Yeah, All that stuff. And someone is missing off a small job on it for like, I don't know putting bin bags in the bins after you empty the bins, something like that. And then you come in and you start doing whatever and then you go to put something in the bin, there's no bin bag there. And I'm just like, well, I'll just put a bin bag in the bin. Like, it's really not that big a deal. Yeah. And and I feel like it's petty of me to mention such a small thing, but then small things can really build up. So it's like the bin bags and then the mirror's not been cleaned and and then basically it builds up and I'm basically doing last night's work the next day. And yeah. I'm just like, each tiny thing I'm like saying to myself, oh, it's just petty if you bring that up. Like, it's just not even worth, like, sending someone a message on their day off to, like, put put a bin bag in a bin. Like, they're just going to think I'm a dickhead if I do that. Like, there's bigger fish to fry. But um, at the end of the day, it all builds up, doesn't it? It does. And also, you're sending a message that you're sending the opposite message of what you say your leadership is. You're not watching. It's okay to do things half-assed. Yeah. And and it's like, I keep getting this image of like a, like a seesaw or like a, a razor like you're walking on. Like being a boss is a balance. Yeah. You can't come in, and this is true of like parenting. I think, you know, this is true of, of work. You can't come in so hot and so rigid that you're like – you know, I demerits and I'm yelling at you because it's like your staff is all going to quit on you because you, you need people to, there needs to be like a one team, one dream. But Mm -hmm. then there is this like teeter. If you fall too much to the other side of, of being afraid of talking to people or reprimanding or letting them know though, the inmates are going to run the prison and And then the, the it's going to suffer and it's going to start with small things like what you're saying, like someone not putting the bin bag in and not doing the mirrors. And then suddenly you're doing all of that. And then, and then they think, oh, well, there's an opening here. I can call out sick. I can not do this. I cannot do mm-hmm. that. And ultimately you're not helping a worker by letting sure. them pass. So I had um, a more, like that was kind of small scale and then- yeah. Literally this weekend just gone, I had a kind of scaled up issue where, and I would say, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good friends with everyone I work with and, you know, really get on with them. And I would go out for a drink with them and, um, you know, we talk about personal lives together and stuff like that. And so I've got this, a member of staff who has been late too many times. I'll get a text and it'll be like, 
oh, I'm on my way, I'm stuck in traffic. And then, you know, like, no one can help being stuck in traffic. I understand that. Like, what can I do? Like, I feel like... Well, you actually I'm, can You can help it by leaving sooner, yeah. just for the record. <laughs> just want yeah. to say that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because lateness, um, is, lateness is inconsiderate of other people. I'm just saying that. That's not you saying it, that's me saying it. Yeah. Especially in, in shift work. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, you're putting someone else out. Yeah. And so if you know that you live in a trafficy area, pad it by 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, that's part of your job. For sure, yeah. Um, I'm making you so uncomfortable, I can already tell. Maybe I'm just not good at my job. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not at all what we're saying. Don't no, even go there. No, no, no. No, I'm, no, I know. But it got to a point where it was too many times, and it was like, I'm going to have to have a serious word because this can't carry on. Yeah. And it, it is my job to have the serious word. And I was like, cool, we're working together this day. I'll do it this day. And the whole shift, I was dreading it. And I was like, when am I going to bring this up? Like, is it going to be awkward when I bring this up? I need to do it when there's not many customers in, but also when there's enough time um, and just like putting it off. Yeah. Because I, I don't like having conflict and it's uncomfortable and it's someone I like and I just don't, it's just not a conversation I want to have. Yeah. So I eventually brought it up and I was like, look, was doing the timesheets, noticed you were late an awful lot of the time and it needs to stop. And instantly he was like, I know I've been taking the piss and it won't happen again. It absolutely won't happen again. Felt really bad for it. And then... I don't know. I just have issues with guilt. I felt bad for saying it because he felt so guilty about it. And, and it was like, oh, okay, like, you know, if you're aware of it and you say that it'll stop happening, then why why would I not believe you? Of course, yeah, like, great. I'm glad you've heard what I'm saying. And um, I feel like there's a but coming. I'm glad that's clear. There is a but coming. So then we have a staff meeting two days later and I get a text saying I'm stuck in traffic. Mm-mm. I'm going to be half an hour to an hour late and I was like the meeting's going to be done by then don't bother yeah. um so didn't come to the staff meeting text me saying I'm sorry so now I'm like faced with this situation where I thought I'd done what I needed to do and then straight away it's happened again and it's a uncomfortable situation because then I was like okay maybe I wasn't serious enough and obviously we need to have a more, a a more a deeper formal. conversation. Yeah. yeah. This needs to be more formal because that's absolutely not acceptable. So then the next day, had the conversation again in a more serious setting. This is like not a conversation that I want to have and it's not a conversation that you want to have because we're both uncomfortable and it doesn't need to be like this. But it's a job and, you know, you being late impacts everyone else because it's such a small team that if you're late, then someone else has to stay yeah. longer or if you're late on an open shift then the bar's not open on time which impacts trade obviously it's just not okay and you, you know you know that you know yeah. it's not okay so why are you doing it and I think because I'm like friends with them I think people often think after a certain amount of time they can kind of get away with more because yeah because I'm their mate which I kind of see a bit as I don't know. This kind of comes back to something that I had with my mentor where he would see it as disrespectful. If you were doing something in work, he would take it personally that you were doing it as a friend, which often I know wasn't the case because I was kind of on the receiving end. But also then I see now from his point of view, I kind of take it a bit personally because yeah. like don't take advantage because I'm yes. nice. Like yes. I, I don't want to be not nice, but you know, at the end of the day, it's my job. And if I have to be, then it will it will eventually get there. Because I'm not going to put a friendship over my job. Yeah. 
You can't. You know I mean? You're I the have boss. To pay the rent. You are the boss, and that and that's the that's that whole the crux of the thing is like like I, I was talking to my wife before this, and I said, oh, I'm excited. We're going to talk to someone about like, can you be a boss and can you be their friend? And I said, it's going to be really fast because the answer is going to be this. No. And then I was like, just kidding. It's far more. I disagree. I know. I know. And that's what I was (laughs) going to say. It's far more complicated than that. I do think you can have friendships, but I do think you have to have the confidence within yourself to understand that there are times when you are the boss. And I think it's helpful to say, okay, this is a boss moment or to have clarifying conversations where you say, when we're at work, we're not friends, I'm your Mm -hmm. boss. And you know, this, this has to be run in this way. Like Mm -hmm. you can have clarifying conversations, but you have to have the confidence too to understand, which it seems like you do. It just seems like it's more guilt than anything. I actually think it's a, it's maybe a mix of the two. I'm not in my personal life. I'm not that confident. I am confident that I am all right at my job. I think. Um, I think I'm more confident that you're all right in your job than you are <laughs> yeah. right now. Like you know, the bar is successful, and I know that a lot of that is down to the work that I've done. But yeah. Um, and they let someone else go for you to do the whole job yeah. because you were doing it well. These are all indications yeah. that you're doing very well at your job. I think there's a lot of evidence that I'm doing well at my job. But um, yeah, I have issues with guilt and issues with worrying about what people think of me and worrying about not wanting to be too needy. You know, I feel like delegating, I don't know, it's like ingrained in me that if you ask someone to do something, you're kind of just being a bit needy. But obviously that that's not work, but it's just ingrained in me. Yeah, yeah. I have to actively tell myself that you're not being needy, you're just doing your job. Yeah. <laughs> but I I just want to say, like, even as, like, a friend, like, let's just say this wasn't at work, like, even as a friendship, you would feel shit in your friendship if you were doing all of the work in the friendship and your friend was not coming through for you. Like, it's disrespectful in any sort of relationship, not just a work mm-hmm. relationship. And I think that's, yeah. for me, the problem, like... If you're respecting this person and giving them the flexibility to like come in late sometimes and apologize or not put the trash bag in the trash or whatever, and you're giving them that sort of leeway, Mm -hmm. they need to also be respecting you. And I think that's the disconnect that I'm hearing. They're not doing the same for you. So like I think in any relationship, friendship, work relationship, partner, whatever, if you're the one doing all of the shit. And, and like mm-hmm. showing all the respect, like you need to get it back. Otherwise, that's not a relationship. That's not yeah. a fair relationship. Yeah, yeah it is a relationship, sure. but it's a shit one. Yeah, it's just you. not a healthy one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I do think there is this other layer, like Steph is pointing out, because you're the boss and because it's because it's putting you in a position where you could look bad in your job because of their behavior. Because yeah. one of the one of the things you're being judged on is your team. For sure. And it reflects on me. Yes, yeah. they are a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think if there's a way for you to reframe, because I get it, like you, you come from a world where your mom was like, just handle it yourself. You come from a world where you're feeling, you know, you don't want to upset anyone. But if you could reframe it, and think about this being one of the tools or one of the the things of your job that you need to do to mm-hmm. do your job well, that might free you up some. It's it's the biggest area that I'm working on, for yeah. sure. Up until recently, I was the young... Well, I, I still am the youngest member of staff, and up until recently was the only female member of staff. And I don't know if it's in my head, but I feel like... 
I've had things in the past where I felt like staff have felt like they've known more than me or could do my job better than me, male staff who are older than me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously everyone's like, well, if, if that was the case, then they'd be doing your job and you wouldn't. But I don't know, I take it, I kind of, it's hard to not take that personally. Yeah. I'm not great with confidence. So if, for someone to say that to me, I would, I kind of take that as like, um, like, you know, maybe you're right. It's difficult for me to be like, actually, no, I'm, I'm great at my job and I should be doing it. Saying the stuff that you're saying, like, I know I'm good at my job. Like, I always say this to Robin. I'm like, if I know like two things about myself, it's that I'm really good at my job and I'm mm-hmm. a really good friend. And I know those things and like no one can take that away from me. And you have to like Mm -hmm. believe that so much in yourself that other people believe it in you and like want to respect you for believing those things, you know, and like just from talking to you now, like I know that you're good at your job in terms of like being a hard worker, showing up, giving people respect, blah, blah, blah. And I know that you care about your staff. So like if those are the two things that you need to repeat to yourself over and over again, make them sort of like pillars in your mind that no one can take away from you. Mm-hmm. Every straight white male, not every, but many, just walk in and claim power whether they're qualified or not. Yeah. Hey, y'all. I have a question for you. Have you been listening to Well Adjusting and secretly or maybe not so secretly thinking, geez, I have a problem and I bet Robin and producer Steph might actually be able to help me make some headway. Now, if that's the case, I have to tell you, this is your sign from the universe to reach out to us about being on Well Adjusting. I'm telling you, it is a sign. Get in touch. It's so simple. Just email us at hello at editodd.io, or you can hit me up on the socials. I'm at at RealRobHops on all the platforms. And I have to tell you, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. What is it that you are waiting for? Hit us up. Let's solve the world's problems. No, okay, that, that bar is way too high. Let's, let's just have some laughs and, and get into it. We're going to all feel better for doing so, I swear. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We all know you're good. Like, I think we can just see it and that you care and that, I mean, I think we know more than you know, but that's okay. I think you're going to get there. And I think, what? like, let's talk about that because I think that being a good boss, your personal life, who you are as a person is always going to bleed into your management style. And you may be far more caring because you're an empathetic person as a boss and you may give people a little more rope, but you might be the type of person that people will kill for underneath you because they don't want to upset you. Mm. I had several bosses like that who I would do anything for them because they treated me so well and Mm -hmm. I worked so hard for them. So 
I don't think you should diminish or say that you need to be like these other bosses, but I just think you need to be the most confident version of yourself. I hate to say even need, it'd be great if you moved in that direction for you so that when you walk in and you have your own style, your own way of being, Mm -hmm. you feel confident that you're doing it well. And then everyone underneath you will feel your confidence and will follow you. Yeah. I think, well, I know I'm confident in aspects of my job. So I'm really confident in like the events that I do. I know they're successful and the wine I order and I know the bar runs really well. And, I, and I'm confident in talking to everyone about all of those things. I can talk to you forever about wine events Profit or whatever. margins. Yeah, I can talk to you forever <laughs> about that. And I'm confident and I can tell you everything you need to know about it. But when it comes to a crossover with something that I could take personally I'm not confident at all with it and um I really struggle to separate the two for me I don't uh, I don't know I I think I wrongly go in with the mindset that I wouldn't do that so why would anyone else do that I I wouldn't take the piss like that because that's disrespectful so why would anyone else do that but obviously everyone's different so obviously other people do that and I don't think I consider that enough that being said When someone else is fucking up on your team, you're investigating what you did wrong that made them this way. Like when that person Mm -hmm. was late, you were like, I don't want to have this conversation. Like, what have I done? What does this say about me as a manager? Blah, blah, blah. I think it's fair of you as that person's manager to turn that around on them and ask them why they're not thinking the same. Like, why is that person not investigating? Like, if you like your job or honestly, even if you hate your job, but want to keep it. You should be investigating your relationship to your work and to the people that you're working with. And instead, that person isn't thinking that. Or maybe they are and they just think differently about it. But I think it's fair for you to ask in the same way that you said, like, I don't want to have this conversation and I know you don't want to have it too. You can say, like, I have been investigating what I can do better so that you show up on time and so that you show up here how I need you to on this team. What are Mm -hmm. you doing or why aren't you doing the same? Because that's yeah. not that's your role. You're, stuff. you're doing that because you're a good manager. That's on them. Yes, yeah. that is a fantastic point. And that is what Steph's pointing out is an excellent management technique or leadership style. Like there are some people who run things like whatever I say, whatever I do, it's right. And I'm not one of those people that runs things that way. Steph's not one of those people because because it's not a style that empowers your your people beneath you. What Steph's saying is like this other style that's more, I'm showing you that I care. But I think underneath that, there also has to be, these are my rules. Mm-hmm. And this For is sure. the way it is. And it sounds like that's what you did. It's really just your feelings about having to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's for going through with right? it. Like I, I want... I want people to want to come to work and I want people to, because it also reflects on the business. You can, when you go some, when you go to a restaurant or a bar, you can tell either the staff hate it or you can tell the staff love it. It completely changes your experience. And also like, that's great, but you spend what, eight hours a day there at least. Yeah. You might as well be happy while you're doing it. Otherwise you're going to be miserable for a very big portion of your waking hours, which yeah, I just don't think it should be that way. You know, I do think one of the things as a boss is all you can do is create the environment, set an example, and then hire people that you think will follow that. Yeah. But not everybody will. And that's where the uncomfortable part about being the boss comes. Yeah. Not everybody is going to be great. And there are going to be people and there has to be a comfortability, you know, with 
I, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go. And, and it, you might have feelings about it and it might make you feel bad. But as long as you know you did everything you could to train them, like I think there's nothing worse than, and my wife, I'm watching my wife currently go through this in, in her department, where someone comes in, you just leave them to their own devices. They're not performing. Everyone talks about them. No one trains them. No one helps them grow. And then they're fired because they stunk. I'm like, you cannot expect people to come in and know what's what you like. That's part of being a boss is, is like mentoring is helping and helping people grow. And not everybody does that, but there are some people who just don't want to work or do things half-assed or want to do the minimal. And, and like Steph said, they're not going to see you as a person. And so, it, and again, that's, that's why I ultimately come down on the side of, I think it's very difficult to be friends with the people you work with because there is always that that thing between you. You know, I do think it's possible, but it it works best when you have respectful people who are showing up and think about you as a person, but mm-hmm. reminding yourself that not everyone is going to do that and for some people it just will be a paycheck. Yeah. I had a situation where things got noticeably easy because it's such a social job. Like obviously like we go out for staff drinks and we taste wine together. And then we were on a night out and we were at the same club and I was outside of work. So wasn't in work mode, but I think because we'd seen each other on this night out, they then thought that it was more, you know, we'd seen each other out of work. So now we can kind of be like that in work and like, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. like be going on loads of cigarette breaks you know, too many cigarette breaks because, oh, like we were doing that on the night out. So like, you know, we're, we're both cool with that. But I don't know, some... It gets blurry. Yeah, it, it gets, it can get blurry so easily. And since then I've said that I'm not, I'm not going to ever be in that situation again. Because for me, I can very much differentiate the two of we're on a night out and we're in work. But some people don't, I guess. Some people think that once you're on that level with them, you can be on that level with them wherever you are, whether you're in work or not. Yeah. Well, there's like a, you know, let's get over on the man, but you're kind of the man. So, so it makes it hard. Mm -hmm. I think I feel like when it comes to like telling people off as well and why I don't want to have these conversations, I'm so terrified that these are people whose opinion, I really care what they think about me. And I think if I tell them off, they'll think, you know, she, she's really nice. And then she's just been a bitch. And then that's the other thing, like this whole, like, being a bitch, like you'd never call, you'd never say that to a man, would you? But like people use that about women. Yeah. And it's like an ingrained fear in me that people would think that of me. I'm worried I'd tell someone off and then they'd think that and it would change our relationship. And I think if it's something small like the bin bags, it's easy to not change the relationship, but it shouldn't be like that, should it? No. I've always been called fiery. You know, I, I am fiery, but like also when I'm in work and I'm giving orders, and that's not me being fiery. That's that's being a boss. Yeah. Well, that's why I think I think the work for you lies in taking up space, like being more confident. It sounds like you've already set and delineated lines between boss and like you know when you're being a boss, and then you know when you're being a friend. You understand the difference between those two positions. You are saying like you went out once, you noticed a change. It wasn't good for the work environment. You said, I won't do that anymore. Like you're doing all the right things. The work really is just in not feeling bad about it. I am a boss who is powerful and who is who is 
doing the job that needs to be done. And the Mm -hmm. job that needs to be done right now is telling you you didn't put the stupid bag in the bin. Like that's, (laughs) you know, that's part of your job and, and not feeling bad about it, giving yourself permission. So like, that's where the work needs to be is, is building that confidence in yourself. I think because, because I worry that I'm underqualified for my job, that I have a lot of guilt when it comes to enforcing it and i need to Girl, let that obviously go. i need to get past it <laughs> but it's a, yeah. it's a hard thing to get past you know it takes time yeah absolutely oh, please we were both raised catholic so gotcha yeah. yeah well and and you're 22 you're just starting on this journey i think honestly please i hope you hear this where you are right now and what you've accomplished your style like running a team that doesn't happen to people often at 22. Like that yeah, just doesn't. So just sit in that for a minute and remember that because it will take a little bit of time. Yeah, it definitely takes time on active work for sure. I wanted to just like say something about the guilt thing. You know, Robin was talking about feeling guilty when you have to come down on someone. But I do think like if you have to fire someone or something later, you can be like, okay, well, you know, I feel really shitty about that. And I didn't want to do it. But like, what proof do I have that I tried my hardest? Mm -hmm. People are always like the second you know, you need to fire someone fire them, which like, yeah, is probably great business advice. But that's not how I want to run my business. I want to like, you know, look at people and be like, hey, what can I do better? Do the things better? Hopefully they do things better. And then that's that. And if that doesn't happen, you want to be able to walk away from it at the end of the day being like, well, I tried my absolute hardest to like keep this person, to be a good boss, to be a good manager, to like train them in these ways. Yeah. My homework is nothing more than for you to spend some time thinking about how well you're doing with the beginning of your career, like how conscientious you're being, all of the wonderful things that you're doing as a boss, you know your lines about the separation and what works for you because it is an individual thing to bring it back to the original question about how friendly you can be with your with your subordinates. That's a really personal line, and but you have an awareness about it. You're already making choices. My, my whole homework is just go easy on yourself and maybe think about I don't know if you want to talk to somebody or something, whether it's a therapist or whether there's like journaling or something that you want to do to help step into your own power and your own confidence. Because mm-hmm. the rest seems like you really, it's there and you have it. And you're, I think, I mean, I'm going to sound like your mother, but I think you're doing great, honey. I think you're doing great. <laughs> and I, I think you too. should just, I think you should live into that. Really. Imagine what I could achieve with confidence. Imagine. 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 I want you to make like three or four pillars that you can say to yourself. I love that. Okay. I'll work on it. Some affirmations, some journaling would be a great place to start. Yeah. God. Thank you for coming in and letting us like pick this (laughs) apart because honestly, I think that a lot more people should be as thoughtful as you are about leadership. So thank you so much for, you know, for coming in and sharing it with us. Thank you. Absolutely fine. I'm sweating and I feel like I've been through therapy. Hello, my name is Carrie Sullivan. I worked at Nike for a long time and worked on 7th Avenue in New York. Who you are is what got you in that position. You were chosen to be in the leadership position. So that can absolutely create tension and ill feelings in a group. 
but it has to be recognized and you must remain consistent. That's actually a good approach is just to be consistent in who you are, how you got there and showing people how you did that. Let's do tasks together. I liked to dive in quite a bit when we were had heavy deadlines or something like that. I had done those jobs. So when deadlines would come up, it's like I would jump in and be able to do the things, whether it's measuring garments, specking things out, working in the database, negotiating prices, whatever it was that needed to get done in a quicker, more efficient way. Then that really proved to the team, they would be like, what? She's here and she's helping us. And I got comments from other teams that said, our manager would never do that. They would never stoop to our level. In a more casual environment, you set the tone as the leader. You can be a disciplined, disconnected leader, or you can be a manager or leader that shows up and feels the room. Like you read the room. Is everybody like there? Everybody's cool. Music's on. We can hang out. It's also really helpful, I think, to check in with people. You know, people are introverted and you have to respect that. Like you can't just jump on somebody who's an introvert every morning and be like, what happened last night? What'd you do? Where'd you go? Give them the opportunity to engage with you. You can't bulldoze your way in that kind of a situation. And really just touching base with people individually is a beautiful way to see somebody. Look, I have imposter syndrome at this second doing this podcast situation. It's not in my wheelhouse at all. And there's got to be something that's in my soul that wants to help. It's how I walk the earth. And how you walk the earth is what you're supposed to do. If imposter syndrome continues to happen for you, and your anxiety goes up and you're not performing, then you have to readdress, like maybe I'm not in the right lane. Maybe I'm not in the right place. Maybe this team is the wrong dynamic for me. And that's a really miserable place to be. And I've been there. Just checking in, like what's uncomfortable? Is it a momentary thing or is it a systemic? This just doesn't feel right. This is not the right leadership I wanna work under not interested in what this work is. I am stymied. I'm not learning. So those are all kind of red lights for me that the imposter syndrome is more legit to change lanes, not bow out. Well, everyone, we started off talking about if you can be friends with the folks that work under you and spent really a great deal of time talking about being the boss and feeling confident enough to ask for what you need from your employees, no matter who they are. At the end of the day, I firmly believe that if you set clear expectations and boundaries, expect the respect that comes with your title, you are going to make work life smooth and less drama filled. Okay, everyone, that is it for today. But before we go, I want to say so many thanks to our guests of today for opening up and sharing their work journey. And a big thanks to Carrie for jumping back in on season two with her sage work advice. For more Robin, and you may need that, you probably don't need it, but like if you do, you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole edit audio team. Oh, hey, 
before you take out those AirPods. This show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it.